Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Food Court with Richard Blaze is a new podcast where I have guests bring me their food arguments so I can settle them once and for all. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, but don't take my word for it. Find Food Court with Richard Blaze on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Billy Cunningham, the great American, and later on, uh, 2 o'clock, we're scheduling wine and DeWine and also snacking with Acton. That'll be coming up at 2.05 today, we anticipate, but uh, also we're going to have more reporting later on and our reaction locally to what's occurring with the coronavirus uh, crisis that occurred. And then this story popped up last night that on Tuesday night, uh, remains of Paige Johnson, Northern Kentucky teen, missing for about 10 years, was found in Claremont County. Hope evaporated on Tuesday when Hamilton County Coroner last May Samarco confirmed that human remains found in Williamsburg Township were those of Johnson, not the outcome that uh, anyone desired. Joining me now is the Kenton County Prosecutor Rob Sanders. And Rob Sanders, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. And Rob, how are you? I'm doing well, Willie. So far, I am uh, coronavirus-free and hope to stay that way, so I'm counting my blessings. Can you put us, uh, we'll talk about Paige Johnson, of course, which is a tragedy she was seemingly kidnapped and i don't know the date of the murder but about 10 years ago out of covington but uh can you kind of let the tri-state know if one walks the highways and the byways at covington what's happening this afternoon is relative to the coronavirus well um you know it's certainly not business as usual by any stretch of the imagination the uh streets are pretty barren which uh when it comes to my line of work is a good thing because it means even the criminals are staying in Hopefully they're taking uh, work from home seriously, so they're not out stealing from anybody or anything like that. But, um, you know, there's still business going on. The courthouse, of course, is uh, shut to the public, but it is still open to the defendants who are remaining incarcerated pending the outcome of their criminal cases. So the prosecutors and the public defenders and the judges are all still at work. Um, we're trying to do as much as we can remotely, but we still have to be in court every day. And there's, you know, there's businesses open all around town. It's just not nearly as crowded as usual. And uh, I suspect there's thousands and thousands of people who are, in fact, either out of work or working from home. What's your guess? And it's only a guess. Let's say uh, a month goes by or two. It's like uh, Memorial Day weekend right now. What, it's about 65 degrees outside. It looks great. And uh, it's May and June, and the the tsunami has passed the tri-state. Does Covington, Kenton County return to normal? What percentage of normal? What's your gut tell you? My gut tells me that this is going to work like any other flu virus uh, in terms of when it goes away. I think that more so than any amount of reaction that we have to this coronavirus, what will do us the biggest favor or the most help will be the weather getting warm. So hopefully we'll have an early summer this year that weather will heat up and it'll kill the virus. Um, of course, we'll worry 
about it coming back sometime in you know November, December when the flu starts coming back around. But I think that the weather's going to help us out. So the good news is, uh, you know, this might not work quite as aggressively as the president would like it to in terms of getting back to normal. But I do think there is a worst case scenario of you know that about that Memorial Day time, like you mentioned, of when people start getting healthier in general. There's a lot less flu going around, a lot less colds going around. Yeah. And uh, I think that will be the worst case. Now, we don't know that for sure. No. Nobody's ever dealt with this virus no. for sure. So it could be heat-resistant, but I think uh, from what I've read anyway, that that's highly unlikely. And the worst-case scenario is as the weather warms up, everybody ought to start getting healthier. I made the point that in the tri-state, if you take the counties that surround Hamilton County, to my knowledge, not one person has died. Not one. And um, I would have to think that every year – in the tri-state, there's hundreds of hospitalizations, and a few dozen people die every year of the flu, but it's not covered. Therefore, we don't think it exists. And up to this point, if Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana have a total of 25 unfortunate deaths with the average age about 78 years old, is this a reason to panic? Well, I think we're getting inaccurate information, Willie. That's my biggest problem with it. You know, overall, I can't argue with what Mike DeWine's done or what uh, Andy Bashir's done. I think they're trying to keep a handle on this, and I really do believe that they're both trying to do their best. However, um, we're not testing nearly enough people. So to say that we haven't had a coronavirus death yet, I don't think that's accurate necessarily anyway, because I don't think the numbers that they are giving us are accurate because we aren't testing enough people. And if we were testing everybody that we should be testing, the numbers would be sky high in terms of the number of people infected. And I suspect that there might be deaths out there that are just not being attributed to the coronavirus just because somebody didn't have a test or maybe had a test but didn't get their results back in time. And that's unfortunate because I think it's giving a false sense of security to a lot of people out there. I'm not saying we all have to live in fear of the coronavirus. I'm just saying that we ought to be smarter. But in order to be smarter, we have to be given accurate information. But that doesn't always help impress the public with what a fantastic job people are doing in their press conferences if their numbers keep going up and and they're not being held in check like we're being led to believe. I kind of say, what do we do if we're told there's a Category 5 hurricane 100 miles offshore? Here's the satellite footage. This is where it's going to go. Here's the cone. And right now it's 65 and sunny. And we keep waiting for this hurricane to strike us. And at some point, the experts, and they're, they're, they're good, they're experts, much like the meteorologists are experts, at some point we're going to get hit by this Category 5 hurricane with winds 150 miles an hour, but we can see it, but it doesn't affect us yet. And every now and then the hurricane veers off and doesn't happen. Now, uh, I'm sure all the doctors and medical professionals and Bashirs and, and, and DeWine are all being told the same thing by the experts, this is going to happen. But it hasn't happened yet, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't pay attention. I tell the American people every day, look, I comply. Tell me what I got to do. I'm going to do it. Uh, it's been about 10 days since Penny and I have gone out of the house except to drive in a car. Uh, I have a FEMA pass, by the way. Also, uh, I avoid everyone. Tony Bender always likes to greet me, hug me, and, and kiss me. He's like Italian. I don't let him do that anymore. People are going nuts. I'm staying away. I comply. Tell me what I got to do. At some point, whether it's a week two weeks or three weeks, do you agree, assuming the hurricane doesn't hit us, we got to get back to work? 
I do think we got to get back to work, and certainly, you know, you don't have to be a genius to figure out that it's got to be sooner rather than later. Uh, I just don't think we're there yet, Willie. I think that what we've done so far is the reason that we are not having a catastrophic spread of this illness. However, it is out there. You know, I do know personally uh, individuals that are not just quarantined but that are hospitalized with this stuff. Um, some of them are first responders, in fact, and, you know, we can't have every first responder get sick at the same time, or we're not going to have anybody to answer those 911 calls, or uh, we're not going to have anybody to work in the hospital or emergency rooms. We've got to be really smart about how we go about this. But you're right, you know, we can't do this forever. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see when it all lifts, but I just hope everybody puts a little more faith in the experts than some people have already, because those experts know, you know, they feel the pressure, too, of when we can get things back to normal. So I think that they will give everybody the all-clear just as soon as they possibly can. All right, let's talk about what happened almost 10 years ago on or about September the 23rd, 2010. Family members are reported to uh, Kenton County and Covington Police Chief that uh, their loved one, Paige Johnson, was missing. Can you give us the facts of what happened about 10 years ago then what happened uh, recently? Yes, sir. Back in September of 2010, um, Paige Johnson didn't come home after having a night out with some friends, and her family reported her missing uh, originally to the Covington police because the last person she was known to be seen alive with told police that he had dropped her off, or actually told her family first that he had dropped her off on a street corner in Covington. So her family called Covington police, and Covington uh, ran with it. They have investigated it ever since, uh, even though the only person that claims that she was in Covington was the last person to see her alive and one of the people that's been at least a person of interest in her disappearance. Um, this has led to a very, very intense investigation that's gone on for the last decade. Uh, you know, the city of Covington, I can't even begin to imagine how many man hours they have invested in, in this, how many dollars they have invested in this, and I applaud the city for that. They have left no stone unturned. They have never, ever said, we're not going to do that. It'll cost too much, or we're not going to do that. We don't have the resources. They've done whatever it is that's been necessary to try and find out what happened to Paige Johnson. And March 22nd, which would have been Sunday, a fellow was out walking in a wooded area in Claremont County up near uh, East Fork State Park and stumbled across what he believed to be were human remains. He called the Claremont County Sheriff's Department, who responded and then called their Claremont County coroner, who then contacted the Covington Police Department and let them know what they had. And, of course, by this time, 10 years later, Willie, uh, there wasn't anything identifiable uh, by looking at the remains other than they were human and they were suspected at least that this could be Paige because of where it was found matched up with some of the other evidence that's been turned up over the course of the investigation over the last 10 years. And that the remains, specifically a skull, was sent to the Hamilton County Coroner's Office where they used dental records to confirm, in fact, that it is Paige Johnson that was discovered. And, uh, is, the, is, the, is the person of interest, is there a person of interest that, is, uh, that has any connection to Claremont County? There are... In, a number of individuals who saw Paige Johnson the night before she was reported missing. Uh, I think all of those individuals are people of interest in that all of them have varying degrees of information about what happened to her. Um, 
There is one person in particular that had ties to the Claremont County area that is believed to know that area well because of having relatives up there and having traveled there on a number of different occasions. Um, that is the person whose cell phone records led investigators up to the, the Claremont County area around East Fork State Park. And um, that is, I think, the person that's being investigated. Mm. Well, a number of different people being investigated now. I don't think it's fair to limit it to just that person, but he is amongst the folks uh, who Covington Police are looking into that they've been looking into a long, for a long time. But until now, we have been unable to say with certainty that that's where Page, uh, page could be found, but now that we know for certain, it corroborates a lot of other investigative leads, so it really narrows the focus of this investigation, because I tell you, Willie, Covington Police have been all over this state. They've been all over a number of different states. They've had help from a number of different police agencies all across Kentucky and Ohio and beyond. Um, you know, all the police agencies have really been great. They have done everything they could to bring this young lady home. And fortunately, today, we are there. It's a very sad day, I know, for her family that they have confirmed their worst fears. Um, but yet we're hopeful that, you know, being able to give Paige a proper burial and say their goodbyes will bring them some relief. Now, lastly, about Paige Johnson, she was only 17. Was Can you give us a little social history? Was she a high school girl? What high school was she in? Uh, as far as her background, what can you tell us about the background? She was 17 at the time. She was a young mother. She did have a daughter who's now being raised by... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My family, she was in high school. She was originally from uh, Florence area. Um, had friends all over the place, though. Uh, you know, I obviously didn't get didn't know Paige before she went missing or anything like that um but everything that i've seen ever since has been an indication that she was just a beautiful young person that had a lot of friends and family that cared a lot about her and you know even though none of us ever met her before she disappeared i think you know it's almost like the detectives that have worked on this case and i know me myself from having written a number of different search warrants and grand jury subpoenas over the years written all the way down to knox county kentucky with detective brian froge who was the original lead investigator on this uh, to get a help from the Knox County Sheriff's Department and the KSP to dig up a swimming pool size area of land looking for this body on a false tip. You know, that's the kind of stuff, Willie, that has gone on. We've been all over the place working on this case. It's gotten very personal. It's almost like we knew Paige, even though we never met her. Um, so it's very emotional for a lot of us when, uh, when we can finally tell Paige's mom, um, we found your daughter. All right, uh, we'll see how that develops. And lastly, Rob Sanders, Kent County Prosecutor, the next several days, is there any indication that good citizens of Covington are acting up, doing something wrong? Is there a sense in law enforcement, whether Covington or Kent County Police, that there has to be more stringent measures in northern Kentucky at this point? Well, no, not so far, Willie. Everybody's been pitching in, doing their part. Arrests have been way down. I think that has a large part to do with the fact that people are staying indoors and behaving themselves, and obviously we applaud that. Um, we've been trying to safely release as many nonviolent offenders as we can from the detention center so that we're minimizing any spread of uh 
the coronavirus within the inmate population. Um, hopefully, the, those folks will realize what a blessing they've been given in terms of early release and or release pending the outcome of their case, and they'll continue to behave themselves. But so far, we've not had any major problems. Um, I don't know that I can say that it's going to stay that way the longer this drags right. on, um, but so far, so good. And as far as the law, so to speak, in Covington, can you briefly tell the American people if you come to Covington or if you live in the Kenton County or Boone or Campbell, northern Kentucky area, what are the rules presently, if any? Well, we are not on a total lockdown just yet. Um, residents are obviously still allowed out to do the business they need to do, to go to the grocery store, go to their doctors, go to the places they absolutely need to go. Um, you know, nobody's checking IDs or checking um, employment badges or anything like that. But most of the businesses that you are at least entertainment venues that anybody would go to, those are mostly shut down. So with the exception of picking up to-go orders, you know, there's not a whole lot of reason to be out and about. Most people are staying in. But the the only problem, and we have had a couple of small problems with this that we have had are um, businesses or churches, other social gathering spots like that that didn't take the warning seriously. Uh, they can get themselves in trouble with the law. They can first get cited by the health department for not closing. Then if they still don't close, then uh, misdemeanor charges against them could be filed by their local law enforcement. It hasn't come to that. Uh, you know, we certainly don't want to be the first uh, jurisdiction in the country to be issuing criminal charges against a, a church or a pastor or anything like that. And so we've pleaded with folks to uh, obey the directives of the government so far that's happened and hopefully it'll continue to happen hopefully we can get back to normal as soon yeah, as possible that's what i say rob you know, i kind of think joe Dieters is like the rob sanders of hamilton county and, and i kind of tell I'm those sure joe would like to think that he's uh, the rob sanders of hamilton well, county well he, he you know in his fantasy he might be one day but the fact of the matter is we have to pay attention the next week two three weeks you know you just pay attention see what happens then the next step doesn't have to take place if people really don't pay attention then they start acting up then there's something else that's going to happen. Nobody wants that. Let's get through it. It's going to be okay. Maybe the hurricane will not strike us. Maybe it'll strike 400 miles away, and maybe we can get back to normal in the next two to four weeks. I'm anticipating in my own mind it's going to be around May 1st. I'm anticipating we got about another five weeks of hunkering down. Then we're going to rip this thing, and we're going to have a great Reds opening day. The Holy Grail will be there probably, I hope, uh, I hope the end of May, 1st of June, we're going to reopen this thing and get back to work. And the more we pay attention and comply, the more likely it is this will be shorter. You, I think you're right, Willie. I think our president had, had a very optimistic outlook, but it's certainly possible. And it's only possible, though, if people buckle down and continue to cooperate right now, uh, get this quarantine, get all our social distancing, make all that stuff happen so that we do beat this virus sooner rather than later, make the president's prediction act actually accurate. Let's make sure we can open up, whether it's by Easter or whether it's by May 1st. Because, uh, you know, you, me, and Rocky Boyman, we still got that Tone Loke Vanilla Ice concert that I'm hoping <laughs> to make over at Great American Ballpark. So we got to get uh, life back up and running. we got to get the Reds playing ball and so that we can all celebrate uh, some great music and a great concert. Now, what's the day? A tone loke and vanilla ice one is that? Uh, I think we were. I'm going to have to look it up again, Willie. I, I had it marked on my calendar, <laughs> but June? with all this coronavirus craziness, I do believe it's in June. So well, <laughs> we should hopefully be good. Is like June 24th or 27th. I'll be like there. That. I'll be Excellent. there. I'm looking forward to it. I like to introduce Tone Loke. 
I don't mess around with no Oscar Mayer wiener. I, I maybe, we be... can, maybe we can get him on your show, Willie. Maybe we can make that happen. Uh, uh, get Tone Loke and Vanilla Ice you on talk the about, show. You talk about excitement. That's bigger than George Thorogood. Oh, my God. Do I'm I just... sure that your listeners would find him more entertaining than Mike DeWine. <laughs> no offense to the governor, but... How about, um, how about wine and DeWine at 2 o'clock? You looking forward to snacking with Acton? Well, you know, I'm loving this. We got uh, beers with Bashirs in Kentucky, and uh, I'm always up for a cold beer. So, you know, any, anything we can do. I might have to come across the river for wine with DeWine. You know, sadly, Tony Benner tells me he fantasizes about Dr. Amy Acton, and I'm telling him to calm it down, man. Calm it down. I haven't actually seen his uh, press conference, so I don't know who we're oh, talking about or what she looks like. Pretty good. I heard it on your radio. <laughs> pretty good. All right, Rob, good luck to you, and I'll give your best to Joe Dieters. Excellent. Thank you, Willie. All right, thank you. <laughs> don't we need to laugh sometimes? I don't know why Bender just looks at her, and he just wants to stare at, to- at Dr. Amy Acton. I think she's a, a very fine professional at what she does, but Tony Bender has other thoughts. But let's continue with more. Your reaction, 513-749-7000. Bill Cunningham. News Radio 700, WLW. Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American, and we thank Rob Sanders for coming on. And, uh, of course, uh, Wine uh, with DeWine will take place about uh, 2. And also, I think about 5 o'clock is a Beer with Bashirs. Is that on for today? Matt Steinman says he hopes. And then also Snacking with Atkin going to take place along with the wine. So we'll see what happens. And it continues. And uh, this is serious. I can't make too light of it. Matt Steinman wants me to make a lot of fun of this thing, but I just can't do it because I know I'm complying. I know it is serious. I know that uh, we're having a measurable effect by what we're doing because the numbers are such that uh, we are successful in this part of the country with listening to the authorities and complying. I comply. I hate to use the word comply because it gives over my free will to some other person that may not have my best interest. But in this case, I comply. And I don't resist. I comply. Here are the numbers over the past 24 hours, just briefly. And I told you each day when I come on, I'm going to tell you day to day what's happening, especially in America. And then we're going to find out at 2 o'clock from Dr. Amy Acton what's Acton, what's happening uh, in Ohio specifically. She announced yesterday there was a total of eight deaths. So uh, Wednesday, March the 25th, in, uh, in the United States of America, we have 785 confirmed cases there was a flash about 20 minutes ago after this was printed at noon that the actual number of confirmed deaths is 802. So let's go with 802. 802 have died in the United, all 50 states. Yesterday it was 588. So that's an increase of what, about 215 deaths over 24 hours. As far as confirmed cases, it's now 55,000 and it was 46,000, so 9,000 additional. The confirmed cases, as you and I know, is not terribly important because I would assume that there's really hundreds of thousands of people infected in America uh, with the coronavirus, but you don't get treated for it because up to 90% have little or no symptoms. Every time now someone has a light fever or sniffles or a cold, you may think, okay, I got the coronavirus. And so only those getting tested most likely are the most likely group to have the symptoms that would cause it. Uh, according to most of the experts, uh, and experts are everywhere today, 80 to 90% who are exposed to the coronavirus and actually catch it have little or no symptoms not worthy of being hospitalized. 10 to 15% need to be hospitalized. And of that group, depending on what group you're in and how you're 
categorized. Up to 8% of the old folks die, and under 1% of young folks die. But there are those outliers, like a baby might die, which changes the numbers fundamentally. But in essence, if you take the 10% off on either end, the uh, probability of dying with this over the age of 65 is about 8%, under 65, well less than that. At this point, when I speak to the American people, I begin every day now calling various uh, political and business leaders. There's, there's seven or eight of us to talk. Right, what's happening today? And I see perhaps the, the widest gulf of those who believe that this is the bubonic plague and that we're all going to die. And on the, on the other side, it's no big deal. Let's open up the businesses and get back to work. On one side, who say we're all going to die, it's like a Category 5 hurricane that you can see on the satellites. Everyone says it's coming. All the meteorologists say it's 100 miles offshore. The cone is right here, and you're in the middle of the cone, and you're going to die. On the other group, it's those who say, look at it this way. Compared to any other objective model, this is rather mild as far as what's happening with deaths and hospitalizations. For example, in uh, the period of October of 2017 till April of 2018, that was the last serious flu outbreak, we had 65,000 attributed deaths for that flu outbreak about, uh, what, two years ago and about 400,000 hospitalizations. Going back 10 years, the CDC says when the, uh, the swine flu panic struck on, in 2009 from, from uh, October of 2009 to April of, uh, of 2010, there were 61 million Americans infected. At least 30,000 died. Now, that number is not on the CDC website. The number on the website is 12,500. And the difference is this. Fauci said... That many times the, on the death certificates, the, the virus and the swine flu panic of 2009, 2010, they did not mark it up for a lot of old folks as the flu. They marked it up as cardiac failure or pulmonary distress or a stroke. And, and that's true of every case, because if you die of heart failure occasioned by the stroke, the majority of the time on the death certificate, the appropriate authority will put down uh, cardiac difficulties or myocardial infarction, which is a heart attack, an MI, instead of putting down the flu. But I use Fauci as, as the sounding board here because I figure he spent his whole life, and that guy is 79 years old. I can't believe that guy is 79 years old. 79-year-old, he said 35,000, I'll go with him. So to compare this... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To the last worst epidemic, which was uh, 09 and 10. At that point, there were 61 million Americans infected. And today it's 56,000 as compared to 61 million. There were 35,000 deaths. And today, as of now in America, there's 802. So it's 802 compared to 35,000. So we have, may I say, a long way to go, and I pray to God we never get there. So some have told me this is much ado about nothing by these numbers, including numbers of two years ago that were much worse. 
And the experts say the reason that takes place, by the way, on Friday, I'm going to have on uh, Dr. Ben Carson, who's, as you know, Secretary of uh, HUD, to talk on from the administration's perspective. But according to those on that side of the fence, why don't we just go about our life and live our life well and see what happens, since well less than 1% of us are going to die. And that by doing a depression-like shutdown, we're going to make it impossible to have a functioning healthcare system in the future or to give to the next generation of Americans the kind of country we lived in. And as a consequence, most of us, most normal Americans like you and me, okay, two to three weeks, I get it. DeWine says April 5th or 6th, then you got the president saying April 12th, and now you got the experts saying more like May. But whatever it is, at some point, we got to open up this economy and get back to work. Without an economy, we don't have a functioning health care system. We don't have care for the infirm and the disabled. We don't have a Medicare, Medicaid program. We have none of that. It's all gone. The hospitals are gone. The country was ceased to exist as we know it. And great civilizations have fallen. Just because things have been a certain way doesn't mean that a terrible event takes place. And from that point on, that nation, that country, that city-state completely fails. If they keep this economy shut down, I would say, through Memorial Day, we can't recover from that death spiral. It will not work. This package will give another package. The Senate is going to vote this afternoon on the package. And according to media accounts, Nancy Pelosi has given up putting too many Green New Deal items in this package, and she says it's going to pass the House, which is why the markets are up over 1,000 points again. The Dow's almost 22,000. That's why it's happening. The light switch needs to be turned on, and I want to make sure that when the switches turn on, the lights actually work. And for that to occur, we cannot shut down the country several more weeks. It's got to be whether it's one week, two weeks, three weeks, or God forbid, four weeks, we must get back to work. New York is fundamentally different than Cincinnati and Covington and Batavia, fundamentally different in Butler County and in, uh, and in, Bata- and in Bucyrus and, and Ada than living in New York, fundamentally different. Now, I could sp- I've spent the last week or two never closer to six feet to anyone except my wife. I, I, I avoid people. And I go from here to my home and back. I don't go out. I think most of us don't do that. So we can defeat the virus. An epidemiologist was on CNN late. I think it was 1 o'clock in the morning. So let me put it to you this way, then I'll entertain your telephone calls. The first person that gets the virus, the body, the immune system doesn't recognize it as such. A few antibodies are released as it begins to rage in your lungs. But the, the autoimmune immune system is not turned on for that first person. He begins to shed virus. By that I mean either in spit or sweat on the hands. It's communicated to another. Then he communicates to the next person the virus. Just a little bit slightly weakened because there were some antibodies created in the first victim. He passes the virus on to the second person and to the third person and to the fourth person and to the fifth person. Every time it's passed on, a less strong virgin is passed than was passed on the first time because each person begins to get herd immunity. The group begins to say, okay, when you pass it on to the next person, you pass on a less strong version. So then when it goes into the sixth person or the seventh person, the, the, the person's immune system doesn't recognize it as such, but they do create some antibodies. So when it's passed on to the 10th person and the 15th person and the 20th person, 
unless strident version is, pa- version is passed because each person reacts slightly to what's going on. And so then because of herd immunity, ultimately it dies out after three months or four months. And that's exactly what's happening now. Starbucks announced this morning they've reopened 95% of their stores in communist red China, who, by the way, must be held accountable for this, including stores in the Wuhan province. And it's been the first showing of anyone with this uh, virus was December 1st. So December, January, and February. We're about uh, a little three and a half months into the deal. It didn't really rage until January which means in March and April, it's going to die out in China. And that's where we are in America. But China, when you look at Wuhan province or the subways in New York, that's not the, that's not the way we live here in America. So, so in, in the tri-state, we don't live that way. I spent 400 nights, 400 days and nights in New York City, and I, it was a shock to my system how individual, individuals could live belly to belly on subways, on trains, on buses, on public transport, and on sidewalks and stores, very close, intimate connection, belly to belly. That's not the We can quickly, in the tri-state, kind of separate from each other and not pass it on. If it isn't passed on, it dies out. And this virus, sometime in May or June, will completely die out, especially if some of these treatments work, some of these remedies actually succeed for malaria, and also, we get more ventilators. And, but New York City's in a crisis. So let's uh, just quickly. I'm watching Andrew Cuomo this morning. In New York City, which doesn't have close to the quality of health care we have in the tri-state. The Ohio was picked by about six months ago as the top state in America for health care because of the Christ Hospital, St. E's, Tri-Health, the Cleveland Clinic, what's happening in Columbus in relationship to the population. Eight and a half million New Yorkers live in the city. Eight and a half million. In all of Ohio, it's 11.8. So we live differently. Cuomo said this morning that uh, they have 53,000 hospital beds in New York City, and they need 140,000. They're like 90,000 hospital beds short. 90,000 beds short. And the Javits Convention Center is going to add 1,000, 90,000 beds short. In New York City, they have 4,000 ventilators, and they need 30,000. Put those numbers in the computer, they don't work at all. But even with that, they've only had 192 deaths in New York City, 192. So we'll see. Let's take your calls. Steve and Dayton will be first. And as always, because the governor is coming on at 2, uh, with your permission, I'm going to ask each caller to get his thoughts boiled down to one to two minutes so more voices can be heard. And for those who believe this is no big deal, it is a big deal if you catch it. And what we're doing now is stopping us from catching it. At some point, soon, the economy and America must be opened. And let's face it, Trump is not in charge of Ohio, Kentucky, or Indiana. You know what I'm saying? He can say America is open and ready for business. But in reality, Mike DeWine and Andy Bashir and, uh, and Governor Holcomb in Indiana, those are the ones who open up businesses because they're licensed by the state. When you have a license in a bar or a restaurant to cut hair, a stylist, whatever your license is from the state, the feds have nothing to do with that. 
So Trump can announce on April, whatever, 12th, that America is open for business. But until the governors say the state is open, nothing's going to happen. I say comply, keep your head down, do what you're told, keep it quiet. Like Italy, for example, shuts down for four to five weeks every year, and they do well. We're going to be shut down for four or five weeks, then we'll get back to work. But let's not kill the goose that lays all these golden eggs. We cannot allow the American economy to fall into an economic abyss from which we cannot cannot exit. Right now in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, everything we're doing is working. Let's continue. 513-749-7000. Bill Cunningham, News Radio 700, WLW. I broke a thousand hearts before I met you. I break a thousand more, baby. All right, Bill Cunningham and the Senate is getting ready to vote on the stimulus package, $2 trillion. And uh, the particulars are available on the website, but essentially we'll see, because after they vote, then the House has to vote. Nancy Pelosi allegedly has said she will go along with the Senate version, which got rid of much of the crap she tried to put in there, uh, such as extending voting for 30 days across the country, which would be real stupid. It hasn't worked here in Ohio, shouldn't work anywhere else. I can't imagine someone who voted in the primary, say, uh, the middle of uh, February, that now wants to change their vote based upon what happened on the intervening time. It's stupid to vote 30 days ahead of time, real stupid. Then it's real stupid to vote the first part of March and then uh, have issues occur. Then the rest of the citizens vote June 2nd when different issues arise. That is real stupid. So uh, let's get your calls and your comments. We're going to have more on the trillion-dollar stimulus package. Part of the package is that none of the Trump companies can benefit whatsoever from this, which will put the president's companies at some disadvantage, but so be it. To get the deal packaged, get the deal done, let's do it. Making up to $75,000 a year individual, $1,200, up to $150,000 for a married couple, $1,200 each plus $500 each for the kids. It's about $4,000 per couple. Half supposedly going to come out around April the 5th or 6th, and the other half about four weeks later. But try to timing this when your bills are due, which is like the 1st of April. It'll be very interesting to see what happens the 1st of April, which is what uh, Wednesday and then Thursday, Friday, 10-day of the grace period. Who's going to pay rent? Who's going to pay mortgages? Who's going to pay commercial property rents? And who's not going to pay? And whether this is an existential crisis or whether it's a much ado about nothing is to be determined. I pray to God I can go after all the local officials and make fun of them for the rest of my life for making this thing much greater than it turned out to be. If it turns out to be, this is not a big deal. The billions of dollars of lost in the tri-state cannot be made up. The small business is destroyed. But no matter what it is, I think you and I have got to give the officials a chance of two to five weeks, they may have information we don't have in order to do what they say to do. I would urge you to comply, which people are doing. New Yorkers and those who live in California do not comply like Midwesterners comply. You've seen little or no reporting nationally out of Chicago. Their Midwesterners tend to comply. When I watched some of the coverage last night, 
And I spoke to Sean Compton, who runs a large media company in Chicago. I talked to him last night. I talked to everybody. He said, uh, basically, Chicago is shut down. Now, New York and parts of Los Angeles and beach communities are not shut down. So as Dr. Fauci said yesterday, it's entirely possible that the parts of the country that do not have outbreaks will open up much quicker and much better than the coast. That message to you and me, who live in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, with about 21 million residents, comply with what's going on. We don't have subways, don't have much of a transit system. And by the way, issue seven has got to go down to defeat after this, for God's sakes. Who wants to pay more taxes during a near-depression environment? And so at this point, if we comply for two to, two to five weeks, we're going to come out of this thing fine. And lastly, before I take calls, thousands are on hold, including Susan and Tim and Josh and Stephanie and many others. Lastly, when the Reds open, tomorrow was supposed to be my great speech. I prepare once a year for my speech. The speech could not be delivered. And, of course, we wonder about weather on opening day. Take a look outside. Tomorrow is going to be better than today. When we open Reds baseball, which I anticipate is going to be, if I had to guess, I would say around Memorial Day, maybe the first week in June, something like that. Every seat in the house will be packed for those uh, four months of baseball left. The Reds got this team together with the idea for the long haul, 162-game schedule, brought in Wade Miley more or less as the fifth starter, and we're going to be able to compete for 162 games. This is going to be a rush. They're going to play maybe 100 games, 110 games, I hope. Can you imagine in a warm summer's evening after a Reds victory over St. Louis to listen to the interpretations of melodies by Tone Loke and Vanilla Ice? Can it get possibly better than that? Think about that thought. Think about me at the Holy Grail with you, desperate Reds fans, demanding a victory and how good life is going to be. Don't focus on today being so negative. Think about all the great things happening tomorrow. We will get through this. It is a virus. It's not affecting the tri-state very much at all because of what we're doing. Despite the experts saying 88,000 Ohioans are going to be hospitalized, I don't see it coming. The experts have said up to 4 million Americans will die. I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Not even close because of responsible behavior in parts of the country that comply and do not resist. All right, with your permission, let's go to the calls. And I'm going to urge all the callers under Matt Steinman's leadership to please keep your comments down to the one- or two-minute margin so many voices can be heard. And a segment popped in and said, when will we get back to normal? It might be the 1st of May. The next four or five weeks are going to continue to be difficult. We've all faced more difficult times than this. I have the perspective of the ages. I'm in the seventh or eighth inning of my life. And for those of us a little bit older, we understand that after every dark day, there's a bright, sunny afternoon. And we're seeing it right now. So keep hope alive, but comply. Let's go to Susan, Josh, Tim, and Joe, and get your opinion. If you disagree or agree, my airwaves are yours. Our ratings have tripled. We have about 400,000 people listening right now, and I want everyone's opinion to be heard from left to right and everywhere in between. I want to be your bus buddy in the car with you and listen to what you have to say, respond to it, and be appropriate. I say comply until I say resist. Right now, the great American says comply. 
Susan on the cell, welcome to the Bill Cunningham Show. Susan, go ahead. Hi, Bill. Can you hear me? Uh, no, I, I can hear you well. Go ahead. Okay, I was just curious because I really like Governor DeWine, but I don't understand how he put this uh, stay-at-home order into place without even amping up his unemployment services. What does he think everybody's going to do when they, get, when they lose their jobs? Susan, at this point, my, my friends who have tried to go into the unemployment say that's a joke. Uh, the lines are overwhelmed. John Eustace, the, the, the light governor of Mike Pence of Ohio, said the other day that the system has not been configured to have hundreds of thousands or millions call at the same time. And for those who have, maybe if someone else has tried to call in, I, I've, I've had distant relatives of mine get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to call, and the lines are packed, you can't get in. And if you show up at the unemployment office, that's a joke, too. It's, it doesn't work that way. You can, and, and the website that you can apply online is crashed. Sure. And so, I mean, I just don't understand that we weren't prepared to, to handle this with the decision to shut down small business. And uh, Su- Susan, you think the small businesses are coming back? I'm told by small business owners that small businesses are not coming back. Three-fourths of them are dead, gone. Yeah, I agree. I don't see how, I don't see how the small business employer I've been working for can afford to shut down. This is our peak season. Yeah. Uh, I don't have an answer for you, Susan, but when I speak to the governor, he fully understands he's urging people to go to websites and make calls that will never be answered. Exactly. And, and, and that's sad, but thank you for your opinion. Let's go to Josh and then Tim. Josh on the Bill Cunningham Show. Josh, please go ahead. Willie, how are you doing? Well, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Good. Just uh, real quick here, small business owner. I've uh, been in business for about 15 years, have 48 people, um, and built this company, and I'm madder than hell that this is a mass panic created by deeply flawed math logic stating that 2 million people are going to die. There's a Wall Street Journal article yesterday uh, labeled, is the coronavirus as deadly as they say? Current estimates about the COVID-19 fatality rate may be too high in orders of magnitude. That means 100 times. This is written by two Stanford professors stating that this entire thing was a modern-day panic driven by that 2 million death number that was completely flawed from the very beginning. The media grabbed this, ran a hold of it, and next thing you know, mass panic has been created. Uh, supported DeWine, voted for DeWine, actually uh, went to a ice cream uh, social he used to have when he was running for some office as a kid. I've known him my entire life, and what he's doing right here, I think he believes he's doing what's right, but he's listening to Dr. Amy. She's taking the worst possible scenarios, and he's destroying the state. He's destroying this economy. I got good people, Willie, good people that I'm scared to death are not going to have a job because of his mass overreaction. Josh, at this point, uh, Amy Acton said about three weeks ago, by the end of March, uh, there could be 80,000 Ohioans additionally hospitalized. We're about at the end of March. It hasn't even come close to that. As I understand it, there may be as many as six Americans in the hospital with the coronavirus in Ohio. Every some One of the reporters have got to ask questions such as, yes. can you tell us, how many people have been hospitalized in Ohio this year with the flu? Can you tell us how many people have died this year of the flu in Ohio? Compare that to the coronavirus. Now, Dr. Atkin, you said three weeks ago 
that, that there could be 80,000 Ohioans hospitalized with this. How many are hospitalized? Dr. Atkin, why aren't you reporting the negative, the negative test results that she quit reporting? The fact is, across yes. the country, 90% of the test results are negative. And yes. if, in fact, there's only been eight deaths in the state of Ohio, there's many more Americans that have died this year of slipping in a bathtub in Ohio yes. than eight. Yes, Willie. And so I, what I want to know is, you told us it was going to be 2 million, 2.2 million. One estimate was 4 million. Ohio was going to have tens of thousands of deaths. Here we are, close to the height of the season. And so far, we've had eight she may report today 10 or 12. The youngest is 78 years old. And, and I, I want them to tell us actually why we have to stop American society to this extent when the results and the effects on our society are much less than the regular flu. Two years ago, 80,000 Americans died of the flu. Ten yeah. years ago, it was about 35,000. And right now, according to the uh, CDC... The uh, one the uh, one o'clock number was released, and the number is eight hundred and two people have died in the country. Eight hundred and two, and they're telling yeah. us it's going to be two million. In that case, all hell's about to break loose. But it's not, Willie. Real quick on the numbers here, just taking the math: thirty thousand people die every year of the flu. Ohio's roughly uh, in Ohio that'd be roughly eight hundred to one thousand. Flu season lasts 12 weeks. That's 100 days. Every single day in Ohio during flu season, eight people die. Right now in Ohio, the entire coronavirus has only killed eight people, Willie. Every single day, you run their numbers on this, in Ohio, 800 people during flu season are hospitalized with the flu. 800 people. Right now, that's every day for 100 straight days. Right now, we're not even close to one day of those numbers, Willie. One last thing. Age 19 to 49, they are telling me anyone less than 50, that the 99%, over 99% of the cases, fatalities, don't involve the, the, the population between 18 and 49. What that works out to this, Willie, is right now there's eight Americans, eight Americans out there between 18, uh, age 18 and 49 that have died. Uh, there's roughly 130 to 140 Americans in that age group. That gives me a 1 in 20 million chance of dying from the coronavirus. I am more likely to have won the Powerball than have died from the coronavirus. This would be, for me, be thinking that I'm going to be uh, using the same type of logic on this. I literally would have a better odds of winning the Powerball. I should buy a ticket in the morning and then live the rest of my life like I'm going to win it or the rest of the day like I'm going to win it because that's about the same odds as somebody in my age group having died of the Powerball. There's not been one kid, one kid that's died of the, uh, of the coronavirus and they shut down the schools, Willie. This is ridiculous. This is what panic looks like. And Mike DeWine is in the middle of it. And he's listening to Amy, uh, Dr. Amy. He's not listening to everyone else. And there's a lot of other people out there that are madder than hell. Everything we built over the last 15 years, 20 years, 50 years um, could be destroyed because of a complete overreaction of one doctor and a governor that's heart's in the right place, but he's not listening to everybody. He's listening to a narrow group, just a doctor. He's not listen to everybody, and he doesn't understand the damage that is being done to this state because of this overreaction. On top of this, what is freedom worth? What is it worth? 
on top of this. We used to be a country that actually understood there are risks. You drive in a car, there are risks, but we take those risks. What have we become as a nation where me as an individual right now, my odds of dying are 1 in 28 million, yet they've shut the country down. I can't even go outside. It's against the law for my kid to go to a park, Willie, to go to a park. How silly is that? And not one kid in America has died from it. On modern hell, there's a hell of a lot of other people out there like me. Josh, thank you for your call. 700 WLW. Now, Billy Cunningham, your calls, of course, and I want to hear the last caller that Josh might be the caller of the week. Uh, the Rock came in briefly in preparation. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.